Welcome to the Teachers Who Quit podcast, the number one podcast for teachers who quit or really want to. And I'm your host, Tierney, your ex-teacher bestie. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Nori. I'm so excited to have you on the Teachers Who Quit podcast. To kick us off, I'd love for you to just simply introduce yourself. Hey, hey. Uh, So my name is Nori Macias. I'm from uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, I have a degree in communication studies from the University of Texas at Arlington. Um, I am a 30-year-old ex-educator. It feels so weird to say ex-educator, but that's what I am now. Um, And I have spent, in one way, shape, or form, I've spent eight years in total um, in the classroom. Um, And in November, I finally said enough and um i left i left education i walked away it was the hardest thing that i've ever had to do um the bravest thing that i've ever had to do uh it was terrifying but i did it um and i am so glad that i did because uh it has been an awesome journey i love that wait so november 2021 yes Yes. Wow, this is fresh, fresh, fresh. I love that. Okay, so let's take it back to the beginning, all right? So tell us a little bit about your teaching journey. What ultimately inspired you to become a teacher originally? Um, well, I'll, I mean, I'll take you back to the beginning. Uh, I am the daughter of immigrants. I was brought to this country. I was, uh, I was born in Mexico, so I was brought to this country in 1994, I believe. Um, you know, I was very young. I, I did not speak the language. Uh, English is not my first language. Um, but I had this amazing teacher, a bilingual teacher, my third grade teacher, Mr. Pollard. Um, he's a principal now, by, by the way. He's uh, in, in Edmond now. But um, he was my third grade teacher. Uh, he was I remember he was so organized, he was so engaging, and he like really believed in like positive reinforcement, um, putting relationships with his students before anything else. He was very, 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 very consistent. Like he would speak to us in Spanish and we had to speak in Spanish back. And it couldn't be Spanglish, it had to be Spanish. Or he would speak to us in English and we had to speak to him in English and it had to be 100% English, no Spanglish allowed. And because of that, my English and my Spanish now are, you know, my Spanish is amazing and my English is amazing. And I feel like I didn't grow up being like a Spanglish kid. And I feel like it, it, everything that he taught me really stuck with me. Um, and he made such a huge impact in my life because not only was he an amazing teacher that like taught me and gave me the confidence that I needed in this country, um, but he made the learning experience so amazing. He was just, and if he, if he's listening to this, I'm going to send him this link eventually because I need him to know that he was just, he made such a difference in my life. And I pursued teaching. And every time that I would like go, you know, to like a PD or whatever, where we would talk about our why, I always brought him up and I would always say, Mr. Pollard, Mr. Pollard, he changed my, my life as a kid and he gave me confidence. And um, anyway, so my my parents they worked really really hard they put me through college um they paid cash so that i could be debt free 
Um, and I, I wanted to major in education. I remember that's all I ever wanted to do was teach. And somebody, I don't remember who, somebody said, don't major in education because then you won't have a backup plan if you ever want to leave. And I remember thinking like, I'm never going, like, I want to, I want to be a teacher and I want to be one of those teachers that like retires being a teacher, you know? Um, but I was like, you know what? It sounds like pretty solid advice. I guess I'll major in something else that I like. And then I can just do like a certification and I'll still get to teach whatever. So I ended up going to school for communications and, you know, I feel like I've always been good at that. So it was, it was easy. Like college wasn't that challenging and um, I enjoyed it, whatever. Um, so I graduated and I went right to teaching. Like before I even graduated, um, you know, the, the demand was so high that I already had like a principal that was, you know, calling me and asking me if I wanted to teach and, you know, whatever. So um, yeah, I started teaching um, at an elementary school um, and I was there for five years teaching uh, fourth grade um, ELA that was like the biggest uh, chunk of my time that that's where I was. Mm -hmm. Love that. Well, shout out to Mr. Pollard. Um, I remember my third grade teacher like it was yesterday as well. And it, I don't have that beautiful story to share about my third grade <laughs> teacher, but I'm so glad you do. And I love third grade too, because that's where I first started teaching. And I've taught in third grade the longest. I've also done fourth grade, um, like you mentioned, but I've always been a math girl, STEM girl, not necessarily mm -hmm. my ELA lit situation, mm -hmm. but I really love hearing that um, of your story and what inspired you to become a teacher. And yes, in this episode, Mr. Polar, thank you for that. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so, um, other than fourth grade, what other grade levels were uh, did you teach? So, um, I started uh, like subbing and and doing things like that way before uh, when I was still in college, um, just to kind of test the waters, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I worked um, in a preschool, so it was a uh, I worked my way up to like lead educator or whatever, writing curriculum and stuff like that for the preschool where I worked. This was um, years before uh, I started like my actual teaching job. And then, um, so I worked five years uh, in the elementary school in district number one. And then I ended up um, being offered another position at another district as um, an advanced academics um, specialist. And uh, it was a really cool job. So I got to work with GT students, so gifted and talented. Um, and then I, the school, the campus that I worked at, I was uh, the GT specialist for the elementary, so K through fifth. Um, and then I also served the middle school population because our campus went all the way through K, like K through eighth. Um, so I worked with middle school students as their advanced academic specialist. So doing all of like the college board, and um, pre-AP, AP classes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so more like, you know, administrative type of stuff over here, but I still got to, you know, teach and do all the cool, creative, whatever stuff with my with my gifted students. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was there a year and then halfway through the second year, I ended up leaving. Um, but that's like a whole nother story. But overall, that's that's my background. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so middle school, preschool, we also did fourth grade. What was your favorite grade level to work with? Fourth grade, forever. Forever. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Okay. So uh -huh. I, I've been an upper elementary girl and I dabbled a little bit in like sixth grade, which here and we're, I'm in Texas too, just, just like you. But in Houston area, um, sixth grade is considered uh, middle school. In some mm -hmm. places it's not, which I find a little bit interesting. However, my favorite grade level to teach ever was fourth grade. I mm -hmm. love fourth grade. Yeah. So um my question now is like what was your ultimate pivot point as i like to call it so when did you know like originally okay i want to quit teaching i want to leave teaching right so um i think what led me to that point is the fact and this is going to sound kind of crazy but it's the fact that i started off really like in the ideal situation. And I'll tell you what I mean. I, you know, I always loved teaching. I always knew that's what I wanted to do. And my first principal ever was this amazing, inspiring, like hardworking, like not afraid to put her hands in the mud type of woman, um, Delise Hardy. I got to send her the link to this too, because I'm doing a lot of shout outs today. <laughs> anyway, um, she she was like everything that I ever dreamed of being, you know, she was organized and I was a mess. I mean, come on. I was like a 20 something year old, like straight out of college. I was a disaster. <laughs> she was she was assertive. She was confident. And I was like the complete opposite. I was a scaredy cat. I was, you know, <laughs> and um, she was very professional, but she was like, the type of person that when you talk to her, she makes you feel heard, listened to. She, I don't know how she does it. It's its just this amazing feeling that you get. You leave, even if it's like, like I remember one time she called me into her office to give me some feedback. It wasn't necessarily good feedback, but I left feeling like I was on top of the world. You know, like I, I she makes you feel good doesn't matter if she's delivering terrible news. She was just this amazing leader. She was very patient with me. She taught me everything that I know. Um, and she hired me as a rookie. Um, I, I hadn't even graduated yet, uh, but she believed in me. She she knew that it was easier to teach somebody new than it is to unteach somebody or reteach somebody who's already been in the classroom. Um, so anyway, she came in, you know, with these fresh, new, innovative ideas. She would completely transformed the, the school's culture um, for the better. Um, and I think like her leadership style was so amazing. Um, she, she helped me become amazing. Like I thrived. Um, and when she left, it's like I was, I, I had a unicorn and I didn't realize it. You know what I'm saying? Like she was my unicorn. And after that, it's like, Oh, so not all principals are this way. What? Like it was it was hard for me to wrap my mind around the reality that not everywhere, like I wasn't always going to be under somebody like that. And it's like my bubble kind of burst. Um, of course, the the kids were always like my priority, and you know, we do it for the kids. And I'm not saying that I like terrible leadership or whatever. The first district that I'm that I was at, I have no complaints. Um, you know uh after she left um our ap 
graduated into, you know, the, the new principal. And it was, of course, she was new as a principal. So, you know, it was a learning curve for her and for everybody. Um, and she was awesome. Um, but, you know, without wanting to take away from anybody else, that first principal, like I said, she was a unicorn. And um, of course, she she didn't last there super long. I mean, the district saw she was amazing, snatched her up and moved her on up. And um, so I think that's kind of where, especially when I moved to that second um, school district, uh, the there was a lot of red flags as soon as I started there. Um, and, you know, people always say, uh, like, people don't quit jobs. They quit poor leaders. They, they, they quit, they, they quit leaderships, you know? And so, um, for me, the second school district that I was at is where I really began to get burned out. Um, you know, one of the red flags is that everybody, everybody was really overwhelmed. Um, even the admin was overwhelmed. Um, and I feel like the the culture, even though like at PD and at trainings, like we would talk about collaboration, the the culture wasn't actually true collaboration. Um, what really did it for me was the fact that uh, you know I rarely had like a positive interaction with um, with my with my principal. You know, uh, I mean, I went from being you know this really hardworking, really passionate teacher teacher of the year type of teacher, you know, to like a total ghost. I mean, I was already into my second year at that school. My principal had never observed me, had never watched me teach, had never seen me interact with my kids, not even once. I remember um, I worked in an open classroom. I got these portable, like portable walls, you know, the folding ones with the wheels. And I put them up two and a half months later my principal walked by and said, oh, these look nice. When do these come in? And I was like, I'm one hallway over from you and you've never seen these before. They, I mean, they were like eight feet, seven feet tall, like walls. And so that, you know, it just blew my mind. And so the only interactions that I rarely had with her were, were not positive. Um, you know, they were, they were, usually negative. And I just, I, 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 I respond to encouraging a leadership. You know, I mean, who doesn't, right? You want to feel appreciated. You want to feel encouraged. And I didn't have that. And, and because I worked like I had a, a department, but all of the specialists that was one per campus, it was a very lonely job for me. Um, most of the time, you know, I was, most of my kids were virtual. So I had like maybe one, two kids in the physical classroom. It became this very lonely, lonely job. And, you know, I, like I said, the, the culture was not super collaborative. So it's not like I was working with teachers. They were visiting me, I was visiting them, or we were meeting, like, it was just me by myself all day. And I'm a people person. I'm a communicative person. You know, I wanted to feel like, you know, a human connection. And I didn't have that. And, um, you know, another thing that that was a huge um, thing for me is that I feel like teachers nowadays lack the resources that they need to do their jobs. And I will give you an example of that. You know, first of all, what teacher doesn't spend hundreds out of their own pocket 
every year buying supplies, you know, <laughs> like bringing things from home. Like I would, my husband would catch me at 1130 at night, loading up my car with a bunch of junk from my garage because I needed stuff to, to do my job. And, um, you know, lack of resources in that position was a big thing for me. Um, like I said, I didn't have a classroom, um, the, but the space where I worked was not very practical. It was actually a kitchen. I was in the, this open area, but against the wall was like a giant fridge and like a stove and a microwave and a sink. And that was the teacher's lounge area. And so teachers were, I'm like teaching there was, first of all, there was no projector, no whiteboard, no storage, like no classroom phone, nowhere to plug things in. Like there was just one big extension cord that I would trip over all the time, you know? And um, it was really difficult for me to, to work in this type of condition, just because like you've got teachers who are heating up their lunch, who are chit-chatting, who are like, you know, using the microwave right behind me. And I've got kids right in front of me. I can't hear them. We've got masks on. Like it was really, really hard. And I remember one of my last interactions with my principal, um, it was with another admin actually. Um, I had asked her, like, I, I remember I even wrote like a, like I, I created a presentation for her and I said, I'm going to make a case for a classroom. These are all the reasons why I need one. I, I, you know, it's hard for me to teach. I don't have a board. I don't even have a place to project. Like it's very difficult for me to teach. And these are the reasons why I need one. And one of the, the responsibilities that I had was um, GT testing. I had to test students and I, I had to do it in the middle of the hall where it was super loud. And um, I found out that there was a classroom that was not being used. It was just sitting there empty. And when I asked if I could have it, they said, we're giving it to the robotics club. <laughs> and I said, we don't have a robotics club. And when we did, they met once a week after school for like 45 minutes. So he made it very clear to me that it just, it, it wasn't going to happen. Um, and not because there wasn't resources out there. I think it's just, I wasn't a priority. Um, and, you know, those are some of like the little things I think in the in the big picture what really drove me to to leave teaching is that i had to ask myself okay like you know us teachers we dedicate so much time money like energy towards our job it, but we have to get it from somewhere else like we don't have endless amounts of time and endless amounts of money like i'm taking from my from my budget my family I'm taking time from them and I'm giving it to my students or to my admin or whatever to, to, to my job. I'm taking money from my, well, I don't have kids, but you know, I have my fur babies from my pets, from my husband, from my parents, from my siblings. I'm taking all of these things away from them and I'm giving them to my job. And, you know, I think COVID opened up so many people's eyes. Like, my goodness, we had five family COVID deaths, like COVID related deaths in 12 months between my husband's family and my family. Um, and I remember the last, the, the, the most recent one, um, I was out for two days. I went to, I went to your, uh, H town to your hometown and, uh, I, I, I was in Houston and, uh, I, I attended a funeral of a very, very, very close aunt, um, she passed away very suddenly. 
And um, uh, my principal like sent me an email about me being out or whatever. And, and I will like, I will say I, I have good work ethic. I was not, I'm not the type of person that's like always late or, you know, always absent or whatever. Like I'm there, I'm present. And when I'm there, I'm working. Okay. Um, just, just so you know, but, um, I was out those two days and I feel like they were justified and, you know, um, she sent me, my, my department director sent me an email saying that I needed additional training um, because this personal life event uh, was not allowing me to do my job. Um, and that was just mind blowing to me how um, I was going through something so difficult and I was not, I just felt like I was not being treated like a human being. And, um, I went home very disappointed. I um, drafted up a four-page resignation letter, four pages. And, uh, you know, I kept it very professional. I, I I tried not to make it an emotional letter or anything like that. You know, you guys are a bunch of jerks or whatever. Like, I, I really did. Like, um, I know I joke around about it, but I, I really kept it very professional. I said, look, these are all of the reasons why I am stepping away from teaching. Um, and specifically, I am I'm I'm quitting this specific campus, um, and I I I showed up, and I, that TikTok video like is not an exaggeration. I literally showed up, and I I told my principal I said, "Do you have a minute? I would like to talk to you just really really quickly." And she said, um, "Yeah, uh, what's going on?" And I said, "I know it's my day off, but I just wanted to turn in my resignation letter. I just don't think that I want to teach here anymore, or it." at all, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to step away from teaching. And her response was, okay, that was it. She took the letter and she turned right back around and she left. And I started packing up my classroom, um, as fast as I could. And her last words to me were, are you almost done? And it was heartbreaking. I was packing up stuff and throwing it into the bed of you know, the my best friend actually drove me. <laughs> she was hyping me up the whole time because I was in tears on my way over there, as you can imagine, you know. Um, and I was throwing things in the back of the truck with her and I was in tears. It, it was heartbreaking that my eight year trajectory in education ended that way. And, um, you know, I, I have a friend who is in marketing. Um, we went to school for the same thing and we graduated pretty much at the same time, but I chose education and she chose to do marketing. And I, I connected with her. Um, we've been friends since like fourth grade. And uh, she told me how much she was making working from home, ideal situation. I could not believe it. And she said, and you know, actually I don't even make that much because um, compared to what I should, because I work for a nonprofit. And I said, girl, <laughs> like, if you don't want that job, I'll take it. I mean, it was just mind blowing how much people are actually making out there. And I came home and I told my husband, I think I know what I want to do, or at least what I want to look into. Um, you know, I'm a person of faith. I, I prayed. I said, God, guide me, please. Like, if it's time to go, give me a sign. Um, I remember I made a checklist. And it was very detailed and I wanted to bring it, but I cannot for the life of me find it. Um, we were 
moving things around and my, our house was under construction. So it's somewhere, but anyway, um, I made a checklist and it was every single thing that I wanted out of this new job. I said, Lord, if you could part the Red Sea, you can get me a job that pays more. You can get me a job that's work from home. You can get me a job that's this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that. I mean, I put about 10 things on that list and guess what? I found a job that has all of those things. And so, I mean, that's God right there. Um, you know, of course I didn't do it alone. My, um, my friend, her name is uh, Priscilla. She, uh, she became my mentor. She really encouraged me. First of all, she encouraged me to start a business. Um, so while I was job hunting, I started my own business doing, um, so is it okay if I talk about that? I don't know if, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, so I started my own business. Um, this is before I found like my my job job, but uh, uh, running social media accounts for small businesses. Um, it's something that I'm good at. It's something that's easy, doesn't take up a lot of time. And, uh, you know, people really need that service. And so uh, I found that there was a big um, demand for that, at least here in my area where I live. And so I started doing that. I know a little bit about um, web uh, design and website creation and all of that. So um, I started offering those two services. I can you know, run your websites, I can build your websites, um, and I can uh, create content and run your social media accounts. And so um, that became my little side hustle. Um, and I was able to kind of survive doing that. Um, and then of course now, um, you know, I, I was interviewing and things like that. And, um, because this amazing friend of mine, uh, coached me and mentored me and taught me everything, got me up to speed in the world of marketing. Um, I was able to, to land, um, this job, uh, as a digital marketing strategist for a very large, uh, church organization here in Dallas. Um, and it's just, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, I work from home. I have incredible, you know, benefits and just an awesome schedule. And I get to hang out with my pets all day and my supervisor. This is what I love the most. If my supervisor knows that I happen to work while I was off the clock for whatever reason, she makes sure that we get those hours back. Like, come on. When, like, how many times as teachers are we there until 10 o'clock at night? And literally we're expected to like, you know, do it forever. And so anyways, um, yeah, so, so that's kind of, uh, where I'm at now. So, um, it has been a crazy journey. It was terrifying. Um, I think I had to walk by faith truly for the first time in my life. Um, but I'm so glad that I did it. I know that teaching is very challenging and it, but it's also very rewarding. So I know that there's people out there, like you said, they're like, you know, we were talking earlier, like there's people who are, um, even though it's, it gets harder and harder each year, they're okay with that. And they want to stay in teaching forever. I thought that was going to be me. Honestly, I, I would always think I'll never teach. There's nothing that, that might happen that would make me, you know, quit or whatever. I would never quit. I would never walk away from my students. Not even when, you know, parents would yell at me and admin would yell at me and kids would yell at me. Like, you know, you, you take it like a champ because you do it because it's your passion, you know? Um, but after I got married, after, you know, I bought my first home, whatever things, things change, you know, your perspective changed, priorities change. And, um, I think that there are a lot of teachers out there 
who don't feel they don't have the confidence or they don't have what it takes to leave teaching after being in it for a long time, even though they are no longer happy. And I think that it is okay to follow your dreams and follow your passions because teaching is not everybody's only passion. As much as I love it, let me tell you, I love digital marketing. I love everything technology, everything digital. I love it. And I was able to pursue and find that same sense of like, um, just feeling like I, I can't even, I can't even put it into words, like feeling like you're making a difference. It doesn't only happen in the classroom. There are other fields that make you feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Love that. Okay. A lot to unpack there. I mean, you were rolling. You I were went off, girl. I went off. <laughs> you were rolling, but I, I really love your story. It's, it's a phenomenal story. Um, I put so many, I was like putting down so many notes as you were going like, I want to hit, 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 hit that point, that point. So one thing you brought up was that people don't quit jobs. They quit bosses. I remember saying that for the longest time. I was maybe in my third or fourth year of teaching. Similar to you, I also did eight years in the work. Feels like 39 years, but I did eight <laughs> years in the work. Girl, tell me about it. <laughs> and I remember I was doing an education policy fellowship talking about why um, basically there is this large turnover within within the education profession. One reason is teachers aren't prepared enough. In our great state of Texas, we have over 240 educator prep programs. Do you think all 240 are effective? You'd be lucky if 10% of those were effective. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest reasons that contribute to people quitting because they're not prepared adequately in X, Y, and Z, right? But when I was coming across that, I was able to do a study and in the study, I talked about this in when uh, in the episode where I shared my story, the first episode of this season, and it said reasons why teachers quit. And it had that quote in there on this article, and it was talking about people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses. And I say, you know what? Teachers don't quit jobs, they quit principals. And I firmly believe that to this day, that's the only reason I'm in leadership. You talked a lot about culture and developing that. That is critical when it comes to being a school leader. I know that firsthand. Mm -hmm. um, I was very, very clear about why it was I wanted to be um, an administrator. It wasn't because I was power hungry. I wanted a bigger salary. Nope, it was because I wanted to create better culture for teachers who I knew were struggling and having a really miserable experience because of the toxic environment that they were waking up to go to every day. So 100% agree with that. Another thing you mentioned is that um, the other principal who stepped in after that grand, wonderful principal who you had, I've also been there and had that experience too. Um, yeah, the last elementary school I left, I left because... <clears throat> That phenomenal principal, she gave me one of my dream positions to be a teacher leader as a classroom culture specialist. And I knew I wanted to be a dean of culture one day. And she like believed in me. She gave me that opportunity. And I was so grateful. I was probably like in the middle of my second or, or third-ish year at that school. And they snatched her right up because she was so great and put her at another mm -hmm. school. And the person who stepped into that seat. <laughs> We're not even going to talk about that person. I already kind of talked about them a little bit um, in the first episode. But anyway, 
Um, I just find that so interesting how you mentioned, too, that you really didn't get visited by that principal who stepped in. And I've heard that this week by a couple other teachers, not at my campus, but online on the mm -hmm. interweb, so to speak. And I'm like, people really like being visited. I love being left alone. Because I know <laughs> I was in the game doing what I need to do and doing it with excellence. So mm -hmm. don't even come in this room. You know, and, and that's because, I mean, of course, you know, as teachers, we were like, please leave us alone. Let us do our thing. Thing. But I think what did it for me was that the times that she did walk by or I interacted, it was a negative interaction. And it's like, you got to balance it out. Like if you're going to, if you're going to stop by and tell me, oh, you can't put that there. Oh, this can't do that. Or you can't do this. Then you have to balance it out. Like at least know what I do here. Like at least know who I am. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. I hear you on that. That makes good sense. I was just actually before our interview was reading a book, um, Habits of Highly Successful People. Are you familiar with that one? Yes. Okay. Um, what is it? Seven? I don't remember what the book is called, but it's something about being, um, no, not that one. It's How to Win Friends and Influence People. I was reading mm -hmm. that book, which mm -hmm. is another well-known one. And it was talking about in the second chapter about criticism and how people don't like being criticized. And like at the end of the day, it's really not worth it. It's more so just show people appreciation. And I was like, I can't even quote it directly how that author wrote it, but it was phenomenal. And I was like, that is complete facts. And when I have reflected on my time in education, um, the culture played a big role in why I pieced out to several campuses um, in my time in education, but also because at those campuses, I considered it to be toxic because one piece of that toxic pie was I wasn't valued and appreciated for my work. And when I'm not valued and appreciated for my work, I know I'm good at what I do. Mm -hmm. I know I'm good at it and I don't really need for you to shower me with praise. But like you're saying, if you're going to come through and the only thing out of your mouth is criticism, what you need to what I need to fix mm -hmm. is that the third. And I hear no praises because I'm also a person of faith and I read a book. Um, five love languages. OK, my mm -hmm. gifts and words of affirmation. So words of affirmation. You, mm -hmm. you need to be giving me something with your words that's pumping me up. Yeah, other than that, I'm gone. <laughs> let me let me give you an example of of how extreme it was. Okay, the 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 library was it had it, it was in the very front, like so right across the hall from her office, and it was one big glass wall. Okay, this woman walked by all day long on a Friday or a I think it was a Friday, and watched me set up a spelling bee for our kids. I mean, I'm talking, I went all out. I made goodie bags. I decorated everything bumblebee themed. I put up, I painted a hand painted a giant banner, put it up. I spaced out the chairs in nice rows. So they were socially distanced. Da, 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 da. I mean, I went all out because I thought, okay, we're, we're finally, finally having a spelling bee after several years that the kids haven't been able to do one because of COVID. You know, I was so excited. The kids were so excited. This is like an hour before the end of school. So we were going to do the spelling bee the last hour. She shows up. I kid you not. I kid you not. Four minutes before I'm about to start 
and tells me those chairs are not exactly six feet away. And I said, I can move them. You know, I can space them out. She said, I need you to pick all this stuff up and I need you to take this spelling bee to the cafeteria. And I after said, after watching me set it up since 10 o'clock in the morning, and mind you, by now it's already two something. This is what I mean by this, you know, that when I had interactions, it was like that, that wow. type of every wow. single time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, people don't quit jobs. They quit bosses. 100%. And you know what? I hate to say that, um, but I have found in my times, besides that one, that one last elementary principal that I had that was a male, all my other ones that have been male leadership, I've mm. never experienced not one problem with them. Mm. It's always the women. And listen, this is coming from me, who's women empowerment. Um, I went to a women's college. Mm. I am... I mean, all of the things rooting for women, but it's always those <laughs> those women principles. Petty Bettys, huh? Why is that? Petty Bettys. <laughs> yes. I'm like, come on. But anywho, you talked about, too, that you were a big people person and you painted the picture of what your actual classroom environment looked like and how it was next to the kitchen and this, that, and third so were you a teacher's lounge type of teacher um i i don't want to say i was a teacher's lounge type of person and i'll tell you why i i love having friends where i work um <clears throat> i don't like necessarily to and I don't know how to phrase this like delicately. I think Listen, don't we don't folks are here. <laughs> Wait, never mind. I don't teach anymore. What are they gonna do? Fire me. <laughs> LOL. I, I, I tend to stay away from the negativity. Um, within teaching, you and I both know there are two types of teachers. And one of them is a negative Nancy. And so I was always that teacher that um, made the best out of my situation. Um, I'll tell you at that campus where I was, um, the academic specialist that was there before me did the same thing that I did. She dipped. The one before dipped. The one before dipped. I mean, the turnover rate was like insane. But I came back for a second year because I just don't give up that easily. You know what I mean? And so um, I love, I love having friendships. I love, you know, I, I just, I like true collaboration and I like, I like friends at work or, or coworkers or whatever partners at work that are going to encourage me that are going to make me a better teacher. Um, because I know that there is like that sometimes, you know, you hear our, the teachers lounge teachers doesn't always have the positive, you know, whatever. But um, so I, I I love reaching out and I love building relationships with the people that I work with. I've always been very careful about that just because it's easy to get sucked into the negativity. Mm -hmm. All right. I hear you on that. I was never a teacher's lounge type teacher, but that's also authentic to who I am. I'm somebody, I'm an introverted extrovert, ambivert, you know, some people are like ambivert. That is a real thing, you know? And so 
<clears throat> on my Myers-Briggs whenever I take it, you know, it's always like that I, I'm an ISTJ, and that I is like, when I look at the breakdown, it was like 51%. So I was like, so 49% was the E. So I'm literally like split in half, to be honest with you. And so for me, teaching, 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 teaching to the students, that's the E. And it's gone. It's depleted. So when it's my lunchtime, that's me. I don't want, mm -mm. so I could never do, I could never do that. I could never do that. I remember this one school. Oh, I left that school so quick. Um, <laughs> the teachers there just love to eat together all the time. And they literally, like, if you weren't eating with them, they were like, what's wrong with her? Like, it was just like, either you get with the program or you're out. You know, and I walked away from that school because it had a lot more problems than just those teachers. But it's like, let people be. If they want to engage with the public, let them. If they don't want yeah. to, let them. And I and I totally agree. You know, I think there has to be a balance. You you also don't want. I mean, sometimes, girl, come on. Like sometimes we just won't be left alone. You know what I mean? Um, but I think. For me, it wasn't like about, you know, eating lunch alone or anything like that. It was just the fact that I literally had nobody to work with. Like I was physically alone, not even like meeting with, you know, teachers every once in a while to like plan together or to discuss the kids or whatever on a Zoom card. Like I, I collaborated with nobody. And wow. it, you know, the fact that I... I literally was an island it, it, that was hard for me it, it yeah was. no I understand I understand um 100% and so one thing that I loved about what you said too is pretty much what I received from one thing you were mentioning is it's okay um for you to change your mind it's mm -hmm. okay because you were mentioning you thought you were going to be that lifelong teacher that's what you want. You went into the work feeling like this is where I will reside. This is where I'm going to retire. This is it for me. And then your mind changed. And that's 100% okay. And I like that you mentioned that it requires a lot of bravery for people to um, walk away from something. I'm just like you when you were saying that, you know, every, this person did, this one did, but I stayed that second year because you don't really quit easy, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I'm in the same way. I know I forced myself to stay at a school, stay at a school, stay at a school because it's so funny. Like even this year. So and I've shared this already on the podcast, but I started out this year as the dean of culture, that dream job I always wanted to do. September came into September. I left that place <laughs> and I moved to my assistant principal. So I went from dean of culture to assistant principal. and that was my dream job. That was my dream job, what I had been going for. I talked about how I'm so passionate about culture and creating the right culture in schools. And I left that job for a multitude of reasons. And I'll unpack that one day on this podcast, but we're not talking about deans who quit. This is teachers who quit. So anyways, I just love that because it took me a minute to get the gumption up in my spirit to be like this dream job that you've been praying for for how long that you went and got the whole principal certification to do the dream job and now you're quitting the dream job and you're going to be an assistant principal 
Like that wasn't the plan, but it's okay because the plan changed, right? And I had to let myself know that that is okay to pivot. Give myself, I saw someone on LinkedIn say, give yourself permission to pivot. And I love that so very much Mm -hmm. because you have to, you have to give yourself permission to pivot. But ultimately, you have to put yourself first. And I would love to learn a little bit more about this four-page resignation letter, but we are <laughs> out of time. So we're going to bring you back. We, I mean, if you're loving this episode, I'm You want the tea? I'll give you the tea. <laughs> listen, if you love this episode, listen. We need for you to make some noise on our social media platforms. We need you to share this episode with everyone and petition to get Nori back on this podcast for season two where she's going to read this letter because we have got to have the letter read on the show. (laughs) We are out of time. But before we close out, where can the listeners connect with you? Um, well, you can, uh, well, I know you and I met on TikTok. You can find me on TikTok, uh, at, fa- uh, finding happiness 14, which, yay, I found happiness. Um, and then my, uh, business Instagram for, um, my agency is Macias Media Management. That's M-A-C-I-A-S Media M-G-M-T. And my personal Instagram is Musical Nori. As you can see, I play instruments here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so feel free to connect. Thank you for listening to the Teachers Who Quit podcast. Keep listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe and leave us a review to get a shout out on our socials. And remember to shamelessly choose you.